0: Just in case you were wondering where we are, let them know. going on, ladies and gentlemen. This is your boy Croft. How's everybody doing our day-to-day lesson? I am so, so excited to welcome you to the Child Welfare Raising Awareness Podcast. Listen, y'all, this is the podcast that keeps you in the know about all things child welfare. This podcast is brought to you by Tuskegee University, the Department of Social Work, and I will be your host. That's right, your boy Croft. So if you are a student, current child care professional, educator, or parent, know this. You have landed in the right place because this is the podcast show where we will raise awareness about interesting child welfare-related topics. Now listen, I will be bringing on various guest experts to discuss real-world topics that relate to child welfare just to equip you for practice. I must say, y'all, it's going to be quite interesting than to say the least. I look forward to seeing you soon. This is your boy Croft. We'll be hollering at you later. (laughs) Peace. There it is. There it is. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is your boy Croft. How's everybody doing out there today? Listen, y'all, I want to welcome you right here. Y'all know we've been doing these podcasts. Tuskegee University is all about the Child Welfare Podcast, y'all. And I want to welcome y'all here. And we've been having some great guests on, and my goodness, and I can't wait to get to my guest today. My guest today, my, my goodness, she is like one of the most interesting people I've ever read about, because, you know, I've did I've looked at her bio and everything, and I'm like, I'm tripping, I'm tripping. Listen, y'all, I want to tell you a little bit about Miss Shankia Berry. Shankia Berry, listen, let me tell you a little bit about her. See, Miss Shankia, I mean, listen to this, y'all, y'all got to hear this, really. She was born June 13, 1984, in Opelika, Alabama. She is a native of Auburn, Alabama. She earned her master's degree in social work from Berry University in December 2014. She earned her bachelor's degree in social work from Tuskegee University. She worked very hard to attain academic success and a very, very proud member of Phi Alpha National, National Honor Society. She has experience in working with diverse populations and groups of all sizes. Her experiences in hospitals, nursing homes, mental health facilities, and the Department of Family and Children's Services have been, you know, diverse in nature and allowed her to gain several transferable skills. My God, you know, it is her goal to build effective, productive working relationships with internal and external clients. She is acclimated to working in a diverse professional environment where teamwork, being accurate, and flexible in duties is vital. No, that's right. She is also the founder of the Veterinary Social Work Program at Tuskegee University. Her days usually don't go as planned, because her services are requested from the faculty, staff, the students, and the clients she serves. Her duties include, but but, you know, they're not limited to providing short-term counseling to students, faculty, and staff, making referrals to community health mental health professionals, aid in client end-of-life planning for their pets, and communicate with staff, provide brief grief counseling, health and wellness activities, crisis debriefing, healthy mind platter, lessons plans, and psychoeducation. My God, y'all, without further ado, with all of this stuff going on, let me introduce you to Miss Shankia Berry. And I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Shankia, help me out now. How you doing? Yes.
1: Yes, you are. Thank you so much, Mr. Croft. Um, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for being here. And thank you for the way you made me sound when you introduced me. You hyped me at all was. Hey, listen,
0: listen, listen.
1: So you doing okay? I am doing well. How
0: are you? Oh, it's the greatest day of my life. You know, I usually say it's the greatest day of my life because you know, tomorrow is a promissory note that you may not ever see. And yesterday is a canceled check. So all we got is right now, we're gonna make the best of it.
1: Correct. That is hey, listen.
0: Correct. Listen, we're gonna jump right into this thing. We've got a couple of questions for you because I'm very interested in what you do. So, so tell us about your social work career and your connection to Tuskegee University's social work department.
1: We'll do, we'll do. So again, thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be a part of this platform, this podcast. Um, And Tuskegee University School of Social Work is where it all started. But before I was able to get there, um, just a little bit about uh, my social work career and how I became interested in social work. So I actually became interested in social work um, from a personal experience, from um, in the community that I lived in, um, seeing people um, that would have visitors to their home and who they would identify as visitors that would bring notepads and different people. And sometimes um, my neighbors leaving with those people, I was always curious. I was like, who are those individuals? Um, And that's how I kind of learned about adult protective services, child protective services, um, just from within my community. And I became curious because the only thing that I would hear around was the individuals that come into the home, they're helping the families, they're helping the children. And so I said, that's what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of something like that. So Mm -hmm. I started at the young age um, as a Girl Scout, um, doing things in the church, just being a part of helping and helping others. So that's how I became familiar with the helping professor profession and wanted to move towards social work.
0: Wow. So that's, that's been in you, since since she was a little lad. Yes, a little down curious down. girl.
1: I was a little curious girl. <laughs> and um, and, and one of the things that I that I learned um once I started my uh my um uh, undergrad degree at Tuskegee University, um when people ask, why do you want to be a social worker? And um and I used to always say at one point, because I want to help people. And one of the questions that they always ask, help them do what? And what if they are not ready for the help? What if they're not willing to get the help? How mm-hmm. will you present yourself um, in a fashion that they can kind of buy into the services that you that they need and that you're trying to provide for a better well-being of themselves and their family? Mm-hmm. And so I was always looking for ways for uh to to for the families to buy into the services that they needed. Um, because sometimes they didn't seek the services that they needed, or they weren't aware of the services. So I went, and I have gone about my career always um, being approaching, uh, meeting the client where they are. Um, so again, yes, I started my social work career at uh, Tuskegee University School of Social Work in 2011, where I um, I started I started my bachelor's program, and then I graduated uh, from Tuskegee University in 2014. And I was able to do the advanced standing program, meaning I started my graduate program before I actually received my bachelor's degree. So I went to Bayer University. I started the program. I flew back to Tuskegee, graduated with my undergraduate, and went back to Bear and got right to it. And so wow. that's uh, my connection to Tuskegee and social work. And Tuskegee, the School of Social Work really helped me um, build a foundation and gave me the skills and the engagement and the resources I needed to be able to be a part of this wonderful profession that I love so much.
0: Wow. Wow. That is really amazing. That's really amazing. So tell us about how veterinary social work helps, you know, and particularly traumatized children.
1: So the part of veterinary, there are four pillars to veterinary social work. So um I will I'd like to add that vet, veterinary social work was actually uh, the program was founded by Dr. Elizabeth Strand um, through the University of Tennessee. And so there are four pillars that go, um, that are entwined with veterinary social work. So the first one is compassion fatigue and conflict management, animal assistant interventions, animal late- related, grief and bereavement, and the link between human and animal violence. So when we talk about, uh, veterinary social work and traumatized children. We're really looking at the human-animal bond of um, of veterinary social work. So, if um, can I ask you a question? Are you an animal lover, or do you know? Well, well, love- well I have fish. You have fish. Okay,
0: okay, <laughs> that's good. I have, you I have, have a, I have fish. I got a pretty big tank, and uh-huh. you know, I love my fish.
1: Okay, so. I think when we talk about traumatized children and veterinary social work, we have to think about the positive interactions and social interactions that uh, are linked between children and animals. Usually, when we are young, um, depending on your you know your environment, um, most of the time you have like neighborhood dogs and cats, or you might have one of your own. And those animals, they become a part of your family. So it's really like a mutual beneficial relationship between people and animals. And so when you think about traumatized children, if they're in homes where um, there's domestic violence, substance use, um, PTSD, any type of uh, any type of anything that's going on that you know that can traumatize the child, and if there's an animal there. That animal might be their keep safe. That animal might be their safety net. So when they develop that relationship, the animal starts to, you know, when the child is um, maybe feeling anxious, or if the child seems like they're gonna be in danger, you know, if they have that animal within the home, particularly dogs are usually um, the ones that, you know, that are that really can pick up on those senses and cats, they're like protectors. And so if if there's violence in the home and if the child is a target, that animal could be that only child's defense. Or if that child has been abused, um, the animal might be the only thing um that the child trusts. And so al- although the dog might can't say words, um he he or she understand what's going on and they can Um, tune into those emotions and that's how that bond is created so when you talk about traumatic experiences and having that human animal bond is very important um, just if we think about veterans as well usually when they come back from war they are um, they're granted animals service animals that you know can help meet their needs and also can tell when they're feeling anxious or when something's not right with their mood so I think that uh, animals And humans and that bun is very, very important. It is, it's, it goes, the dynamic goes both ways.
0: Wow. Wow. I know, I know I saw a commercial on TV actually where, you know, the girl was in the hospital and they brought a dog in there and, you know, she just lit up like a light bulb. Uh, It was like, it was like, you know, she needed that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, this is very interesting. You know, I grew up with um, a dog, but you know, I think Peter would have got me if they would have known that my dog was outside on the chain back then. But but yeah, this is very interesting. I mean, you know, because the, the, the child and, and, you know, the animal relationship, that's pretty serious. Now, now let me ask you this though, is child welfare or social work, you know, on the rise with the, you know, the whole veterinary thing and why?
1: Yes. So um, I will, I think those are two different questions. So the first question is child welfare social work on the rise and that is capital Y E S. And I think that, um, and I'll take you back to 2020 that what really exposed this was COVID-19. And I say that because at that time everything stopped, right? So when you think about schools and, and, ch- and children, they had to start going uh, going to school online. And think about how um, school may have been their only safety net. That may have been the only place where they were guaranteed their three meals a day. Well, at least two, two meals and a possible snack a day. And so um, when, when students and children started to go into school virtually and would have to come on cameras, the teachers would report at that time, I was working for uh, the Department of Family and Children's Services, DFACS, which is uh, what we call it in the state of Georgia. Um, all kinds of things would be going on within the home um, that the teacher would observe. Parents, you know, having interpersonal violence, intimate personal violence, um, using substances, um, the home being in disarray. So I think COVID really explained that. So. And I, I uh, I'm sorry, expose that because once children were just coming to school each day, they probably could just tell their story and tell snippets of it. And then of course the teacher could make um make a report on it. But when you think about the virtual aspect of it and teachers and counselors, and when children have to come on screen and they're actually witnessing these things that are going on in the in the background, um, that caused that caused the influx of reports. Um, and like I said, food insecurity, you know, if if the child might report to the teacher, you know, I haven't eaten today or I didn't eat breakfast yesterday or things because those were things that they were um, accustomed to getting if they come to school, at least Monday through Friday. And then on Fridays, um, a lot of school have where they um, they had a uh, weekend lunches where they would uh, give the children non-perishable items to take home so they can have food over the weekend. And then all of that stopped. So I do think that uh, that child welfare, uh, social work is on the rise. And I think it's, it's definitely on the rise because COVID-19 exposed a lot of that because they were not in the schools. Um, and virtually uh, these teachers and uh, school personnel were able to witness some of these things that these children were going through on a day-to-day basis. And then, um, and another reason why I think it's on the rise because after COVID, then everything started to go up. So, you know, people yeah. lost their jobs, their income. Oh. And so now more services are needed. And um, and I've learned that uh, within this year, a lot of the extra supplements, as far as um, the SNAP benefits, um, which they were affording the families a, a more supplements each month, that has been um, cut off. The Medicaid for the students that used to roll over, um. Now the parents have to go back to reapplying. So it's on the rise because a lot of the benefit packages that came with COVID-19 to help mitigate some of those risks, those are now um, expiring. Therefore, to answer your question, child, where for social work is on the rise.
0: Wow. I I heard you say something about, you know, we say, you know, it's uh, defects in Georgia. So do you you do work in Georgia as well?
1: So I work. So my my child welfare career um as far as working with adult protective services and child protective services, I did that in Georgia. But right now, no, I'm just the veterinary social worker for Tuskegee University. So I'm not familiar with the Alabama Department of Human Resources. So I and I think they call it DHR, but in um Georgia, we called it DFEC.
0: Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's what they call it here. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Uh-huh. I'm in Atlanta.
1: Right. Yeah. So I worked for D-Facts. I actually worked for Fulton County D-Facts before, okay, this and the Cab County D-Facts as well. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. I know. I know several people there. I know several people in the in the D-Facts office in Fulton and the mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: but you know, so you have you always been an animal lover?
1: So, a little bit about how I became really interested in the human-animal bond. So, I've always loved dogs. Um, We had them. I have a big family. I grew up, we always had dogs and stray cats and some fish, but we always had dogs. So, I always had a connection to dogs because, you know, that was my buddy. My first dog was named Black Bear. It was a black lab. Um, and somebody stole Blackberry and I had always told myself, I said, the love I had for this dog, I didn't want to form another attachment like that because it was like I lost my best friend when somebody, um, took Blackberry from us. So over the years I've had, you know, dogs here and there, but I was never really able to, to form that attachment because I didn't want to feel that hurt, um, that hurt like I had felt when I lost Blackberry. So how I became um, re-engaged to the human animal bond again was, um, was actually through my work with Adult Protective Services um, in Coweta County. So as Adult Protective Services worker, those were uh, those calls that we received were uh, regarding any individual 18 or older with a physical disability. And a lot of my calls would come from animal hoarding, um, animal neglect, Lease violations or self-neglect from individuals that had um, animals that weren't taking care of themselves. And so once I uh I started seeing those cogs being on the, the rise, I would have to go out and make contact with these individuals. And and it was my duty uh to tell that, you know, either they would have to get rid of the animal. Um, because, of course, if, if they were neglecting the animal, they didn't see the neglect because they felt they were doing everything they could for the animal. Um, it was a lease violation. It could have been a hoarding violation, or it could have just been um, an unsafe environment from for the animal and the, uh, the caretaker themselves. And so that's how I became um, interested again in the human-animal bond, because going in there and telling someone that, you know, I'm going to have to call, you know, the humane society or the local shelter to remove these animals and, and the looks on their faces and the sadness and despair, like, this is the only thing that I have left in the world and you're going to take it from me. Um, So that, that was really touching. And so that's just how I just kind of got back into it. I was like, I love people. I love children. I love families and I love animals, particularly dogs and horses. So how can I let them meet in the middle and find my purpose within social work? Because I love child welfare, but I knew I said, but it's something else that I'm missing. And it was the animal piece. And that's how I was able to find veterinary social work to make it all make sense. And now I can work on both sides.
0: Wow. It's it's so funny that, you know, you were talking about that because my first cousin, he is the director for the Fulton County Animal Control Mm-hmm. and uh that that's that's something serious, and what you were saying, yeah, I do I've, I've heard that. I just heard it recently. Very, very interesting, very, very interesting. so let me ask you this, Ms. Barrett. what is something that you would tell students, you know, Tuskegee students, the TU students, or professionals, about how successfully how to successfully chart their career in social work? So I think
1: that is something that uh as i stated you start early with it you know you know you want to help people and you got to figure out how how you want to help them um and how you can go about it so if you are someone um that that loves to do local volunteering um help within your community within your church uh within your family within your environment then i would say social work is the way to go if we think about social work, social work has social workers make an impact all over the globe. A lot of people that have been elected in, in office, um, they have undergraduate degrees in social work. So that's where you develop your soft skills, um, understanding people's needs, um, you understand about diversity and equity and inclusion. Um, I think it all stems from social work. Because if you're going to be a people's person, you got to first understand who you are. I think social work, the field of social work helps you explain, um, realize who you are as a person. Um, what would you like to see happen in the world? We have to be the change makers. We have to, you know, in social work, there's three levels of practice. There's micro, macro, and meso. Which, which level are you practicing on? And what I can say for veterinary social work is I'm able to practice on all three levels, I can do individual counseling. I can do group counseling, um, small groups, and then mezzo. I'm able to partner with the with the school system, and I think um, with a career in social work, that that's what you can do. You can you can implement it on all levels of practice. And if there's other degrees that you want to obtain, those are those. Th- that's good. But if you always have that social deg- social work degree to fall back on. It just shows that you have an understanding of people, the environment, people's need, and helping people's, meeting people's needs. And so I like to explain as the veterinary social worker that um, I'm helping people who help the animals. So I'm able to help on all aspects, doctors, staff, faculty, students, clients, and it all came from social work. That was my foundation. If I didn't have a degree in social work, I wouldn't be able to do it. So, you know, that having a social work degree as your foundation, that just, and you just build, that's how you just build your resume and you build what you want to do, you know, within your field.
0: Wow. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. Now, if you got any faculty out there, any students that are listening to this podcast, if they were on the fence of wondering about should they do it, I'm sure you have convinced them right now. Because of the fact that, I mean, you know, you just laid it out there and you made it plain. It was almost like grabbing somebody's hand and walking them across the street. You did very well. That was great. That was great. Now, before we wrap this thing up now, what I want to know, is there anyone that you would like to thank or give a shout out to?
1: Of course, I would start by giving a shout out to Dr. April Jones, who has made this possible. Um, Dr. Jones. Is a mentor to me. She, she's 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 unofficially she doesn't know it, but she is. Um, Doctor Jones sends me things all the time. Um, as a veterinary social work, she understands that that's my field. But she sends me all types of opportunities as well, where I can interwork integrate my social work degree because child welfare is the foundation of how I became who I am. If it wasn't for social work and child welfare. I would, wouldn't be able to share these stories about the human animal bond and how I got to this level. So it all started with Tuskegee University School of Social Work. So I am grateful for the school, for the social work team, Ms. Fitzpatrick, Ms. Holston, um, everybody that, that's a part of that team that helped me build the character and who I am. And, and the final thoughts, What I what, if you are a person that likes to help people overcome difficult challenges, um, that it could, can include poverty, addiction, unemployment, disability, abuse, mental health, many others, social work is for you. You start there. That's where we start our foundation and we build because you have to start somewhere. I started in child welfare and I was able to work my way up and find my purpose. And I want to thank you as well, Mr. Cross, for being such a wonderful host and um, allow me um, to speak on this platform about veterinary social work as well as child
0: welfare. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, listen, you know, we, they always said it takes a village and it sound like you named your village and it was able to work out for you very, very well. And I'm so, so glad to have you on this podcast today. And I want you to just keep up that work that you're doing I mean you know I'm sure it's helping a lot a lot of people I want to thank you so much so much for your time this time and until the next time my hope is better than the last and as my dad would always say you're never out of business when you mind your own this is your boy Croft and we'll be hollering at you later Peace.
1: thank you so much Mr. Croft it's you're welcome time.
0: Thank you so very much for tuning into the Child Welfare Raising Awareness Podcast. This is the podcast, y'all, that keeps you in the know about all things child welfare. Oh, it was a great time, and we look forward to seeing you next time for another mind stimulating conversation. And until then, Remember, y'all, we strive for perfection, but if we have to settle, we only settle for excellence. This is your boy, Crawl. We'll talk to you later. Peace.